With their playoff hopes hanging in the balance, everything is at stake when the Seahawks and the 49ers meet up on Thursday night football. Who's got the advantage at Lumen Field? We're going to be breaking it all down on a jam-packed Crossover Thursday episode on the Locked On Podcast Network. You are Locked On Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to the Week 15 crossover Locked On 49ers, Locked On Seahawks. Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker here of Locked On 49ers with Corbin Smith of Locked On Seahawks previewing this Week 15 matchup between the Niners and the Seahawks. In Seattle, the 9-4-9ers, the 7-6 Seahawks, the biggest stories for this one, key matchups, and maybe some predictions as well of how things might go thursday night short week corbin how has the short week been treating you thus far well personally it's been kind of a chaotic week and i think you can say the same thing for the seahawks as they've just been trying to lick their wounds after losing to the carolina panthers on sunday giving up over 220 rushing yards and that really has been the theme of this slump that the seahawks are in geno smith is still playing really well through three touchdowns the other day yes he had a couple of interceptions he admitted it yesterday that he thinks he's getting a little bit too aggressive throwing the football downfield. But what else is he supposed to do? He doesn't have a running game behind him right now to speak of. The defense can't stop anybody that has a pulse in the backfield. So Geno Smith is trying to carry this football team the way that I think Russell Wilson thought that he was carrying this football team the last decade. Geno Smith's actually doing it right now, and he's still playing fairly well, but he needs a little bit of help from that defense and the running game. And if they could just if they could just get 50 rushing yards, that's a you know, that seems like that might not be much, but they have 46 against the Panthers. They have not been able to run the football. If they can have any semblance of a ground game to go with Geno Smith and their defense actually mans up and is able to stop the run, then maybe they can get this ship righted. But right now, against this 49ers team with their elite run defense and their elite run game. It, it seems like this would be a recipe for disaster with the way the Seahawks have been reeling, but we know it's the NFL and things can change week to week, even in five days, the Seahawks will have Shelby Harris back. Maybe they'll have Al Woods back. That would help their run defense. They're going to have Ken Walker, the third back as well. So Get your popcorn ready. The Seahawks expect they're going to be a little bit healthier, and maybe that'll help them with those run game issues they're having on both sides of the ball. If not, this could be a very long primetime game. Yeah, getting Ken Walker back is, is pretty important for that run game for the Seattle Seahawks, but you know the 49ers have not been a, a get-well team for teams' offenses this year, especially the last five or six weeks or so, doing a number on just about every single opponent they have seen. Um, the hot start for the Seahawks, and you mentioned Geno Smith, is he still playing that level of football? It, because this has been a, a pretty phenomenal story that probably hasn't gotten enough press over the course of the, the NFL season on the national level, just how good he's playing and what the Seahawks are doing right now. Because everyone predicted the Seahawks to be exactly what Russell Wilson's Broncos have been this year, and it has been the exact opposite. It's almost like bizarro world Seahawks from what people expected and, and leaning on so many rookies this year. It's pretty phenomenal. Yeah, you look at the numbers for Geno, he has been a little less efficient as of late. He's had more turnovers, and as I mentioned, it's in part because he's been trying to do so much carrying this offense, and he is taking more shots downfield, and he's paid dearly for that a few times. 
But his passer rating the last four games isn't even two points lower than what it was the first 10 games. And he's thrown 10 touchdowns in the last four games. So critics out there that are saying, well, Geno Smith's the problem. I don't know what you're watching. Yeah, he's making some mistakes, but a lot of those probably wouldn't have happened if the rest of the team would pick up some of the slack. He has still been fantastic. I still think he belongs in the MVP discussion. He's not going to be because the team is only seven and six now, but the expectations for him and this football team were so low going into the season. And he has continued to show resiliency when he does make mistakes, he comes back and leads touchdown drives. And uh, it's light years from where this team was at in week two. The worst game that Gino had was that week two game against the 49ers where again, I don't know that it was his fault. He didn't get much help in that game, but they've really woken up in terms of their passing game. Now that he's got to find a semblance of the run game. I think that's just as important as anything is they got, hopefully Ken Walker, the third can do that, but the blocking has been so poor up front and the run game. It hasn't really mattered who's been back there as of late. And so they've got a lot of issues they're dealing with. Geno Smith is not one of them though. They'd be in a real bad spot if he would have truly regressed. He's still playing at a very high level And now he's going to get a chance to really show what he can do because, as you mentioned, Brian, this 49ers defense, they're basically number one in everything. And that's a scary proposition even for a team like the Seahawks that has been a top-five scoring offense for most of the season. Hey, Corbin, we have seen guys like DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett have some success against the San Francisco 49ers. Of course, two terrific receivers there. How have they been throughout this year? Because it feels like, like, you know, Peacock said, not a whole lot of coverage on Geno Smith. I feel like there's not a whole lot of coverage on the Seahawks in general. And with two big-time receivers, especially DK Metcalf, who's uh, essentially a household name, it's really been quiet coming out of Seattle on those two guys. So how have they been throughout this season, even with uh, out of run game at times? Those two guys have still been fantastic. Tyler Lockett just broke a franchise record with his sixth straight game with a receiving touchdown, and yet he isn't even in the top 10 in Pro Bowl voting. He is the most criminally underrated receiver in the NFL, and he might not be the best receiver on his team. DK is still having a fantastic season, and this game coming up tonight, if Metcalf gets 31 receiving yards, he's going to join one of just five receivers to have 70 receptions, 900 receiving yards, and at least five receiving touchdowns in his first four seasons. Randy Moss is one of the receivers on that list. It is very exclusive company. So he's having another very good season, and he's proving that he doesn't need Russell Wilson to throw in the football to put up big numbers, and Tyler Lockett is doing the same thing. That has been, again, the least of Seattle's problems. But I'm going to dish this over. I'm actually going to let Eric, the defensive back here, talk about this a little bit because I felt like going into this season the 49ers maybe the biggest question mark for them was the secondary they had several new starters they were installing and yet Pete Carroll was raving about the entire group today when we spoke with him and this group has just really brought this entire defense together what have you seen from the secondary particularly with the new safeties that are starting for them as well them as well so the safety position for the San Francisco 49ers seemed like it would be potentially a weak spot, but it's actually been a strength. So much of a strength with uh, Gibson and Hufunga that a guy like Jimmy Ward, who's been a staple and fixture in the 49ers secondary at the safety position, is forced to play a different position than what he's known to play. I think if you talk about last year, a lot of people would say he's potentially or in, in you can make an argument for being the top five safety in the league. He plays that well, just hasn't had the interception numbers. But that hasn't mattered because how well Gibson and Hufunga is playing. Now, 
there have been these, some mishaps in the secondary, a blown coverage here and there. For the most part, 49ers, DBs, secondaries, uh, the front, everybody has been pretty tight with limiting the explosive plays. But here and there, they have been prone to give something up, whether it's a mix-up in communication, uh, trying to get everybody on the same page, whatever it is, that's been the one thing I'd say maybe once a game over the last few games that has bitten the 49ers for whatever reason. So uh, I, I guess the big question is, can the Seattle Seahawks take advantage of that, whatever mishap is going on in the back end for the 49ers? But overall, whether it's the outside guys, even with guys stepping in like Diamondo Lenore, he has played well. A couple times guys got behind him last game. One, he wasn't even ready uh, when the ball is snapped. Then he looks, oh, no, I got Scotty Miller running by me and – Old man Tom Brady, and I, I think we can finally say that, even at this age of 45, he underthrew a guy by about four yards. So uh, the 49ers secondary is doing well. I think the pass rush definitely helps and benefits, but overall those guys are making plays back there. They're picking the ball off. They're forcing fumbles. They do a lot to really change the trajectory of a game. We all know that this 49ers defense is elite. They're number one, or at least in the top three to five in pretty much every major category this year. But I guess, Brian, when we're looking at this game, and, and I'm saying this with some curiosity because I've gotten to watch some of Brock Purdy the last two weeks, and this was not what anyone was anticipating we were going to be discussing going into this Thursday night game, that Brock Purdy was going to be starting quarterback for the 49ers, winning his first two games, and he got to play significant snaps for them with Jimmy Garoppolo being out, Trey Lance being out since the last time these two teams met. And yet there's a totally different storyline hovering over this. We don't even know if he's going to play. That's what makes it crazy is he's dealing with an injury. And Josh Johnson, who I think has played for 75% of the NFL, and he's probably had a tryout with every single one of the 32 teams, he might have a chance to play in this football game. And, and that's got to be the biggest storyline for the 49ers, just not knowing what's going on under center. Absolutely. That is the biggest storyline for the 49ers. Um, actually, that's a perfect teaser for a next segment. I want to talk about Brock Purdy, not only if he will play, where his status is for this game, but what to expect from Brock Purdy on the field, what the scouting report has been for Brock Purdy in his two games so far, because I'm, I'm sure a lot of Seahawks fans haven't seen a lot of Brock Purdy and they might not be, uh, you know, Big 12 Iowa State fans and watching a lot of him in college as well, even though he played a ton of games. So we'll get to that next. Some more key matchups and predictions for Seahawks 49ers Thursday night. Crossover Thursdays are presented by our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is so much fun and it's easy to play. No competing with other players, just you versus the projections available at Prize Picks. You pick two to five players. If they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on your entry. It can literally take less than 60 seconds to enter. It's that easy. We love Price Picks. We know you will too. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That's pricepicks.com. Promo code locked on. Here on the Locked On Podcast Network, we believe that home should be where you feel the safest, especially over the holidays this season. Give yourself and your family the gift of peace and protection. With the number one rated home security system, Simply Safe. And right now, Simply Safe is offering Locked On 49ers and Locked On Seahawks listeners 40% off a new security system. So don't put this off. It's one of their biggest deals of the entire year. 
And if you're talking about safety, what does that mean? Well, how about 24-7 professional monitoring agents and customer support staff that can notify the right people if something is happening with your home? For me, it's all about knowing and being able to check on your home when you're inside, seeing what's going on outside with crystal clear HD security camera feeds, or when you're not at home at all, checking the inside and the outside of your home. A wide range of high-tech sensors for anything you need any windows or doors in your home, you can get a customizable system for your home and keep that family family safe anytime and every time. So don't miss your chance to save big on our favorite security system. Get 40% off any new system at simplysafe.com slash locked on NFL today. That's simplysafe.com slash locked on NFL. There's no safe like Simply Safe. So the official designation. Corbin for Brock Purdy this week is questionable. He has been limited at practice. I think the entire practice has been limited on a short week. I don't think they're going to be doing very much. This team's a little black and blue as it is coming into this one. So does that mean everyone else is doing walkthroughs and he's kind of just watching? Or does that mean everyone else is kind of doing a little bit more and he's kind of doing walkthrough stuff, but obviously he's going to have a jersey on that nobody can touch him. I'm not sure exactly what that looks like. And it's also an oblique slash rib injury. So I don't know if it's more of a muscle pull or if this is something like between ribs where, and I know it happened on, on a play where he got hit. So I think it might be more of a pain threshold thing than anything. So I have a feeling that Brock Purdy is going to be able to play in this game and he'll get whatever treatment he needs to. Um, I've had a, a pulled oblique and a strained oblique before. And for a rotational athlete, I couldn't throw a ball. I couldn't even play slow pitch softball for a month. Like it was a pretty serious injury for someone throwing a football, but I didn't have anybody that could, you know, shoot me full of Toradol to be able to go, you know, play a meaning, meaningless game. Uh, but for Brock Purdy, he has that at his disposal. So I have a feeling he's going to play similar to what we saw earlier on in the season with Justin Herbert, who had a pretty bad rib and core injury from a hit and he was able to play through it. Um, and we'll see how long it lasts. It'll be nice to have a long week for Brock Purdy after this, but uh, you're right. After Brock Purdy, it's Josh Johnson. And I think the Seahawks might be one of the few teams in the NFL that he hasn't played for. Has he played for the Seahawks, Corbin? He's played for 20. No, teams. but he has, he has been there, I believe two different times for okay. workouts and they just didn't <laughs> sign him. So like I said, I think he has worked out or played for every single team in the NFL. And I got to give him kudos, man. I mean, to stick around in the league, and then he's played in other leagues too, and he just keeps getting opportunities. And he's actually gotten to play a few snaps in recent years for a number of different teams too. So it wouldn't be like you're throwing a 35, 36-year-old that's hardly played into action. There have been some snaps for him on an NFL field in regular season games. And some of those with the 49ers respect for him too. So yeah, this is his fourth time back with the Niners, and he's actually played for the Niners before. So this is a familiar atmosphere for for Josh Johnson if he is forced into action. But I think the hope is right now, and he's been day to day, and it's questionable officially for for Brock Purdy. I have a feeling he's going to play, but uh, we'll know more probably right around an hour before game time. We'll get that Adam Schefter tweet about uh about whether or not brock purdy's gonna play and um he's been awesome like croc you, you could probably speak about brock purdy a little bit and and some of the things that we knew about him and some of the things we learned about him over the last couple weeks like the preparation and i mean it, it's it's pretty amazing how little the offense has had to change for brock purdy and actually some of the big plays he's created even though you don't think of him as this big armed gunslinging type of quarterback he's a playmaker 
he's been a gamer, man. And a lot of people have kind of drawn, they've thrown out a lot of different comparisons, whether it's Kirk Cousins, you know, that style of quarterback, Tony Romo kind of move in that type of way. He's kind of a gunslinger. He's done a really good job of taking care of the ball. Uh, only really put the ball in harm's way once as in, in the last couple games. He did throw an interception, I believe, against Kansas City Chiefs. That was in like mop-up duty. Nobody paying attention to that game. But yeah. In, in the last game or so since he's played, uh, he's done a really good job of being accurate, efficient, and really just doing what Kyle is asking him to do and giving him a little bit more, making that one or two extra plays. And I'm curious to see what it looks like when he goes up against guys like Tariq Woolen because Woolen has been taking the ball away at a high rate, especially for a rookie. He's a long guy, athletic. I feel like he's someone that could potentially give 49er receivers a problem because he's able to match their physicality as well as their ability to run, which they're not the fastest of guys. So I think this matches up both uh, very well for him. And I'm curious to see, does he still try to fit the ball in those tight windows, throwing the ball down the field with a guy like Tariq Woolen on the outside? So that, that's definitely a matchup I'm looking for. It's really Brock Purdy against Tariq Woolen. Yeah, and I'm looking at it from the perspective that until the Seahawks prove they can stop a running game, if I'm an opponent, I'm not dropping back to throw the football. I mean, I don't know why you would. And, and the Panthers, even though they won the game Sunday, they had a sequence near the goal line where they had first and goal, I believe it was at the three-and-a-half-yard line, and they threw the ball four straight plays, and all of them ended up being incomplete. They got downfield by just marching methodically running the football this Seahawks defense, they have shown very little resistance, regardless of who the opponent has been to the run game the last month. It looked like they turned the corner. They won four games in a row middle of the season, and they were shutting down everybody's run game. But they have regressed back to being one of the worst units in the league. And so that is the matchup I'm most concerned about. Obviously, George Kittle and, and Brandon Ayuk and those guys on the outside, Christian McCaffrey, <laughs> worry about all those playmakers. Thank goodness Debo Samuel's not going to be out there for this game. They have to worry about him, too. But – the run game, regardless of who's back there, I'm looking at the trenches more so than any other game. The Seahawks front line, can they buck up and can they handle the physicality that the 49ers are going to bring to them? Can they play disciplined football? I think the biggest issue for the Seahawks defense this year, their run fits have been beyond erratic. They'll have two or three plays in a row where they stuff runs and they, it's one or two yard gains or tackle for loss. And then boom, a couple chunk plays. And they just can't find consistency with their run fits playing in this hybrid three, four defense. And it, it that incons inconsistency has showed up on film. And the last few weeks, teams are taking advantage of it, particularly with gap runs. And so for the Seahawks defensively, that's the matchup that I would be most concerned about. And really against any opponent, who can run the football with any effectiveness, the Seahawks have not shown that they can get the job done. Will they be able to do it Thursday against a team that is as good at running the football as anybody else out there? We'll see. I guess the NFL's had crazier things happen, but there's not much reason for optimism right now. Yeah, I think and that, no that works out well for the 49ers, a team that actually runs the ball extremely well. They want to run the ball. Yep. They want to do that all game. If you let the 49ers run the ball 40 times, they will, especially if you can't stop it. We saw that in the NFC Championship game against Green Bay Packers. A lot of people give Jimmy Garoppolo a really hard time because he threw the ball eight times. But Kyle was like, hey, if I can run the ball 40 times for 300 yards, I'm going to do it. And then on the other side of the ball, if Seattle is struggling to run the ball, if Car uh, I almost said Chris Carson, but if Kenneth Walker isn't really available to players, not fully healthy, 
uh, the 49ers have done a really good job at making some of these teams one-dimensional. So uh, those are a couple of things that work in the 49ers' favor, which, I mean, how many times have we really been able to see th say that over the last 12 years or so when it comes to the 49ers against Seattle matchup? Yeah, and it's funny because obviously Kyle Shanahan's not afraid to run the football, and if you're going to allow him to do so, he would love to do it, especially when you have either a banged-up Brock Purdy or Josh Johnson at quarterback. I'm sure he would love to just be able to go out there and run the ball and get out of there a short week with a win, let his guys rest for um, for 10 days on a longer week. Or Actually, I think the Niners are coming up on a Saturday game the week after. I personally love the Saturday game, so I'm excited for some of those. Um, but, yeah, it's because uh, it, the 49ers, since Christian McCaffrey have showed up, have been really – the formula has been throw the ball actually more than they had in the past early in the games, get a lead and then lean on teams and run the football later on in the game, um, you know, and kind of close it out in the second half, but they might try to shift that a little bit in this one, just with their quarterback situation. And um, it's going to be an interesting one. We'll see. Uh, we'll see if the 49ers are able to do that and play that bully ball against the Seattle Seahawks in their house on Thursday. Next guys, let's make some predictions for thursday night 49ers and seahawks today's episode of lockdown 49ers and lockdown seahawks brought to you by bet online bet online is your number one source for sports betting information stats news and analysis and whenever you want to go bet on sports make sure you are informed and you can do both at bet online get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there of course tons of Lines and props to bet on for the NFL, college football as well. Bowl season is upon us. NBA, college basketball, World Cup, soccer, you've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, which I'm sure you do if you're listening or watching this program, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. Always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting information and your betting fix. Head over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more at BetOnline where the game starts. So let me paint the picture for you. Maybe you're hanging out with some friends. Maybe it's after the game. You put a few back, had a good old time, right? And a few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds that you get pulled over anyway? And uh, even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. Maybe you lose your license. Maybe you lose your job. Maybe you total your car. Maybe you kill somebody like this is serious business. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on the roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again, play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over Corbin do you have any predictions for how this thing might go Thursday night between the 49ers and the Seahawks I have a feeling it's not going to go quite as cookie cutter as things were for the 49ers in that meeting earlier on I was thinking it was 24-7 final score the the Seahawks didn't put up too much of a fight and the Seahawks just about every other week have seemed like a lot better team than the Niners played last time yeah, this is not the same team that the 49ers whooped in week two. And you go back and you watch that game. The Seahawks had some really promising drives, particularly in the first half. And they just kept shooting themselves in the foot. And then they decided to run that 1920s four-back uh, formation and throw an interception, <laughs> which I'm still 
I, I'm serious, yeah. guys. When I watched that play in the press box, my vision turned black and white because I had not seen anything like that except from on NFL films from like the 1920s. Again, it, it was just a horrible play call. I don't understand what they were doing down there, but I digress. They That could have made it a 13-7 game if they scored a touchdown down there. They had easily drove the ball down, and that really changed the complexion of the rest of the football game. The offense couldn't get going after that. It really just took the wind out of their sails. And so I guess for my big prediction for this game, I don't have any confidence that this Seahawks defense is going to be able to stop the 49ers run game. But if there's reason for optimism, it's been that they've been effective in the first half of games. They're just letting other teams get way too many plays, and that is creating a major issue in the second half. They're getting worn down, and then suddenly the dam breaks, and they can't stop the run. So I look at this as a game where they can keep it close and low scoring early, but I feel like there are going to be a lot of points in this game. And the other reason I think this is going to be the case, it's supposed to be sunny tonight in December in Seattle. It's supposed to be sunny and nice. So like, I, I just don't think the weather is going to impact the game like we normally see this time of year at Lumen Field, which means Geno Smith's going to be able to sling the pigskin. I think the Seahawks have the advantage at quarterback. Brock Purdy's been really solid these first two games, but Geno Smith has been one of the top five quarterbacks in the league for most of this season. So that gives them a fighting chance. I expect this to be a game that has a lot of points on the board. In fact, I'm going to go as far as saying, I'm not going to tell you my score prediction today, but I think these two teams have a chance to get to 60 combined points tomorrow or tonight. I think it is going to happen. I think there's going to be a lot of points. I don't know if that's an advantage for Seattle, especially the 49ers are doing it running the football, but I expect that this is going to be a little more of a track meet than we typically see from these two teams when they get together. We think, Croc, you see a little shootout Thursday night. Primetime shootout. That would be fun. Usually, because there's such, even, I mean, as long as I can remember back, Seattle, San Francisco is just a slog. It's a slug fest. It'd be kind of fun to see a, a track meet shootout type of a game in primetime. And typically during those times, if we're talking about traditionally, when there was a blowout, it was in favor of the Seahawks. And I remember one game, it was like 42 to three, or I don't know. There was just some crazy games during that time. They always went back and forth. Uh, are we expecting it to be back and forth this year in the sense of uh, kind of splitting this? Can the 49ers sweep the entire division? I think that's something that I don't know. When's the last time they've done that? That's on at stake. I don't even think we've talked about uh, what is at stake totally, uh, aside from sweeping the division, but 49ers, if they win, they clinch the NFC West and clinch a playoff spot. So you got a home playoff game on the line here. They call that the what the shirt, the, the, the hats and t-shirt type game. So I'm not going to throw that out there. 49ers, they got to go out there and handle business. Can they? And I find it hard to think that it's going to be a shootout just because the 49ers defense has been really good at limiting teams from scoring a lot of points. I think a lot of people thought maybe the, uh, the uh, uh, Dolphins game would be a shootout. And they were kind of like, fighting and scratching to get to 17 points so i would probably go under if the over under was at 60 <laughs> and say maybe there's closer to 40 point 45 points scored in this game and i think even then that would kind of be a lot unless one team scores a ton and i, I don't see that happening so um I still like the 49ers. What, what's the line? Where, where the 49ers at? Now, I see it's at three now. It was three and a half. Now it's okay. at three. So I, maybe that's the Ken Walker effect. Ken Walker. I mean, that's tough. On the road, short week, and your quarterback's injured. You know, I, I think the, a lot of smart bettors probably saw that and thought 
man, it's over a field goal. The Niners can win by a field goal, and I still win this bet. So it's probably why a lot of money might have been coming in on the Seahawks side because when you put all those things together, even though the 49ers are the hot team right now, almost every time you see that on the schedule, road game Thursday night, that's kind of a scheduled loss. And we know it's not an easy place to play. These are familiar foes. Niners, Seahawks, they know each other. Those those divisional games, even when it's a really good team and a really bad team, can sometimes get um, be much more close than you would expect with the two teams involved. So for that reason, yeah, I, I could see why a lot of money might have been coming in on the Seahawks side with the line being three and a half. I still, though, do like the 49ers just because of how that defense is playing. And I think it was a perfect like what we've talked about here and it didn't really hit me till Corbin, you mentioned it earlier about the big plays and, and what the, uh, what the Seahawks can do in the 49ers, maybe having some, um, a, a couple of, you know, uh, broken coverages and bad communication on the back end. But even when that happened, happened to two long touchdowns in that Miami dolphins game, but opposing teams just can't continue to score and continue to score and put multiple drives up, multiple drives up and, and, and go down the field slowly on the San Francisco 49ers. And if the, the run game is not there for the Seahawks, I mean, it's going to be a long day. And even if you get one or two, I just don't see the Seahawks putting enough points up. So the, I think it might even go in the other direction. Um, and, and these teams might even play it, be playing it a little bit slower uh, in this game. So I'm going to, I'm going to go under on this one. I'm going to go the opposite way and think it could be uh, who, which team can win ugly the best potentially on Thursday night on a short week. But we will see. It's going to be a lot of fun. Corbin, uh, before I let you go, I want to ask you this for uh, for our listeners out there that are 49ers fans that may not be or Seahawks fans that are going out for the first time or, or uh, haven't been out to Seattle much. Where do you go for lunch before you go see a game in Seattle? So I, I honestly haven't typically going around the stadium to get food but i would tell you if you are coming from san francisco and you're looking for some really good food in the area order jet city pizza that Boom. it is phenomenal especially especially if you are gluten-free like me it is the best gluten-free pizza that i've ever had and they have a triple pepperoni thing that they just came out with that in fact i have sitting next to me and i need to finish eating it it is fantastic so and obviously the, all the fish stuff in downtown the seafood you can't go wrong in that regard either there you go from Corbin Smith. He's the insider on not only Seahawks football, but uh, where to get your food fix as well before you go see 49ers Seahawks Thursday night. It's going to be a good one. Corbin, enjoy the rest of the season. And who knows, maybe the 49ers and Seahawks will see each other again in the playoffs.